What's up, everyone? And welcome to episode mm. of the Two Metal for This podcast. I'm Jason. And with me, as always, is Justin. How's it going, everybody? And Bobby. Bobby motherfucking McDermott. So we want to start out by saying thank you all for listening. Thanks, everybody. We thank appreciate you. the support very much. You can continue to show your support by doing any or all of the following things. Do all of them. Give us a five-star review wherever you listen to the podcast. It's incredibly important to help us get into the good graces of the algorithm gods. Right? How hard is it to like click on some shit? Please just take a couple seconds and do that for us. It's going to help us show up in Google searches. It's going to help us become a recommended podcast when people are searching for metal podcasts. Yeah. So a couple seconds mm-hmm. of your time will help us out a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to give us a like and follow on Facebook and Instagram, especially Instagram, at 2 Metal for this. Leave us some feedback on how we're doing, or drop your own six list in the comments section, and we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. <laughs> and lastly, just share the episodes with your friends and family. If you know somebody that likes metal, tell them about the show. Harass them until they listen to it. Or if you don't like metal and you know someone that doesn't like metal, listen to it together and complain about it as a fucking team. That works too. Bring All people right. together. You know what I mean? One way or the other. On Tuesdays, we hate BMFM. Fucking A. Get some. <laughs> <laughs> so on this episode, we're stepping back into the TMFT time machine and taking you back to 2018 to talk about some of our favorite albums. But before we get into that, here's Justin with the 2018 news. The news. All right, so in 2018, Slayer announced their farewell tour after 37 years together. Uh, They would play 147 shows worldwide for the tour. Uh, Supporting bands for the North American leg were uh, Lamb of God, Anthrax, Testament, and Behemoth. The second leg in America, uh, Behemoth was replaced with Napalm Death. Mm -hmm. Then they went around the world and they came back to North America in 2019 with Lamb of God, Amonomarth, and Cannibal Corpse. That's the leg that I got to see them on and it was a hell of a show. Yes, it was. Phil Demmel and Dave McLean left Machine Head. At the time, it seemed like Machine Head was done, but they ended up going on one more farewell tour with Phil and Dave before they would leave the band. Rob and Jared would continue on. Logan Mater and Chris Contos would uh, rejoin the band briefly for a 25th anniversary tour of Burn My Eyes before Vogg and Matt Alston would officially become the new lead guitarist and drummer, respectively, a few years later. That last show with Phil was killer, too. Yeah, it was. Busy as fuck ever since, ain't he? Hearing hearing burn my eyes and and hole. It was great. Uh, Vinny Paul, uh, the drummer of Pantera and Hell Yeah, passed away at the age of 54. Mm. Bands that reformed in 2018, Static X got back together with Zero as a lead singer, Mm. uh, Bleeding Through, and unfortunately, Motley Crue. And out of fucking nowhere, Sleep dropped a fucking new album. And it was amazing. 
also had them weird fucking fires going on in California, moving that shit, and then that goddamn bridge collapsed in Miami, and then old uh, Bill Cos, he was convicted for them weird drinks he was making, and then there was rumors going on that there was this weird virus going around that was worse than the flu. I wonder how that worked out. <laughs> Mastodon also won a Grammy for uh, Sultan's Curse. It was for the best metal performance. At least they picked a metal band that year. <laughs> right. Uh, there was an independent study uh, that uh, metal was the fastest growing genre in 2018. It was done by TuneCore. All right. Get some. And it's still growing. Mm. Oh, community always grows. And ours can grow if you you know like and share. Mm-hmm. our podcast. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, six albums here in just a minute, but some other albums that were released that year are Machine Head's Catharsis, unfortunately, uh, Light the Torch uh, with Revival, uh, From Ashes Anew with The Future, Bad Wolves, Disobey, Seven Dust, All I See Is War, Burn the Priest, Legion, XX or 20, Five Finger Death Punch with Injustice for None, Bleeding Through, Love Will Kill All, Cataclysm, had Meditations, Bullet from a Valentine, had Gravity, Devil Driver, Outlaws Till the End. That was like their country covers album. Nonpoints X. Jason, you like that one, right? Pretty good. Pit for a King with Dark Skies, Beartooth with Disease, Revocation, The Outer Ones. Mm-hmm. How was that one, Bobby? It's fucking great. All the Remains, Victim of the New Disease. Mm. Did many more kick out an album that year? And many, many more albums. Mm. Welcome back to 2018, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it the first time, because here we go again. Yeah, I feel like we took it for granted not knowing what was coming, but yeah. 2018 fucking sucked. Yeah. It's pretty lame. Pretty fair. Pretty fair. But yeah, it didn't suck as bad as the couple of years right mm-hmm. after it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We were still going to concerts in 18. Mm. So we each picked two albums that we wanted to talk about from 2018 that... Uh, we were fans of that had an impact on us and uh, all three of us listened to all six of these albums. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you our thoughts on them. So the first album I picked was zeal and order with their album, stranger fruit album is 16 songs, 47 minutes. I know we talked about zeal and order previously on the show, probably a couple of times. Uh, their 2022 album was in my top six picks for the year. But if you don't remember, they blend black metal with elements of traditional African folk music. I personally love this album. I love the intro song where you can hear the sound of what sounds like a shovel hitting the dirt. Mm. And again, to really appreciate the journey of this album, it does help to kind of understand uh, the general theme that the band are going for. So the premise is essentially... Uh, that servants are brought over on ships and 
they end up escaping and they decide to seek Satan instead of Jesus. So the lyrics get pretty dark. Uh, you know, some of the music gets pretty dark. It takes you to some really interesting places. So uh, what, are you, what are you guys' thoughts on this album? Think about Servants there. There's a track called Servants. There's an agonizing scream in that song and then you get like this double bass and then chanting. It gets very ominous. It's a really cool track. Yeah, Servants is definitely uh, one of my favorites on the album. Maybe not my absolute favorite. It gets pretty heavy on that song. It's one of the heavier ones on there. And mm -hmm. it's where you first kind of start to get the black metal elements. Yeah. Uh, the lyrics in that one are actually detailing the servants fighting back against their masters and exacting their revenge. Uh, one of the things that I like is that it seamlessly goes back and forth between the folk and the black metal perfectly. And it coincides with the peaks and valleys that are going on with the story itself. So uh, that's a good example of really what this band does if you're not familiar with them. They do that a lot in the, the the track you can't be found. Starts off very soulful, then it goes into some crazy black metal, and it slows back down. There's like a more of a groove bounce mm -hmm. before going back into more soul, and then right back into that black metal. And the transitions are all so smooth, so smooth. Yeah, definitely. Um, we can't be found is probably my favorite song on mm -hmm. the album, honestly, for that reason. Uh, again, it just happens really seamlessly yeah over the week while we were doing this project you guys had kind of chimed in here and there about the similarities of what uh, sleep tokens trying to do yeah of blending styles i think mm -hmm. zeal and ardor does it uh in a way that sleep token wishes they could do it and mm -hmm. i wish zeal and ardor had the marketing behind them that sleep token does because i think they're a far superior band oh my yes uh so when we did the sleep token review, I had mentioned that those motherfuckers had no direction or consistency whatsoever. That's the huge difference with this fucking album. This stuff is rooted in like Southern gospel as far as like the song structures, which uh, you had said the stories about the slaves going to say, I don't really know the story. I don't, you know me, I don't get into the lyrics, but I can tell you the story I heard musically. This motherfucker tells you about his fucking journey as a musician. This shit starts off, I'm guessing he's into the the Southern Baptist style. He probably grew up around a fucking piano or a bunch of musicians and stuff. You get into that, that's basically blues arrangements. Gets into the bluesy stuff. Old school rock and roll, use the same arrangements. He starts blending into the rock and roll, which goes into the hard rock, which goes into the metal, which then goes into the black metal. Being a pianist or an organ player, whatever he's doing, 
he's probably listening to black metal and hearing those stuff in the background. And he's like, oh, that's cool. And as a musician, he's hearing all these parts and he's like, oh, this is the organ part from black metal. I can use that in a gospel song and then put blast beat drums over. He's learning all these cool tricks and stuff. And he showed that I think it goes all the way up to like, don't you don't you dare and then fire of motion. And then all of a sudden it does that weird drop where it goes into that kind of sad plinky piano. He shows you all this stuff that I learned and progressed as a musician. This is what I'm doing. This is where all my tools. And then he drops on. He's like, I'm kind of into this stuff. And then the pace picks up again. And he goes, and this is what I'm into. And now I've showed you the tools. And now this is what I'm doing with it and stuff. Sleep Token has no fucking direction. There is no fucking soul. It's just spin the goddamn wheel. And that is the real difference here. That this dude fucking means it. He's a creative genius. And there is the soul there. And it's different. And people don't like that. People like when shit's different. It's vague. And you can just kind of jump, chime in on whatever. I like Sleep Token because the mask is not. This dude means some stuff. And you got to get into like that level of his headspace. And that's too much for people. They want just generic dumb shit. And it is sad that Sleep Token's getting more fucking pressed than these guys because this dude's bad as fuck. I would love to have a conversation with this dude because I feel like he listens to things like how I do where he hears the different arrangements of a different style and how he could fit that in something else. And it's flawless and seamless because he's actually into that shit. So it's it's genuine. It's true. Right. That is perfectly mm-hmm. said. And that yeah. is the biggest difference when you listen to Sleep Token it sounds forced like, Oh, we're going to stand out because we're going to blend all these different genres together and do something mm-hmm. different. Yeah. But that's not, that doesn't come out of you naturally. You're mm-hmm. making it happen. You hit it exactly on the head. Like this sounds genuine because it is genuine. This is what came out of the dude when he's he not said trying that. anything. He's just doing, that's just how he parties, man. Yeah. You know? And you mentioned the track. Don't you dare. That's exactly the track where I thought about sleep token that they, the comparison of where, you, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the 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 flow of this album, that like, I don't think I could just hear one song. Like, you kind of got to kick on the whole thing. It's mm-hmm. a journey, and it's progressive. Like each part of this song is like I don't like each song is only like the whole album is one song, and each song is just the parts of the little song. I don't know. It's fucking it's, really cool. It's, it's like a did, chapter but, in a book. Yeah, man. Like, you, know? you can't really just pick one that. It's not like a fucking happy single to kick on in the car on the way to work. It's fucking. I agree. And I had a different vibe. I don't think I've ever listened to any of these songs uh, individually. Like I don't have them on playlists or anything. Which also might uh, lean towards why he's not getting a lot of that. How do you make a single? How do you market this into. There's certain certain songs they could put out there, but it's best to be listened to. as as a People who uh, will listen to a whole album. Yeah, I agree because. I'm the guy that always complains, right, about the interludes and the filler songs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Those are very much needed on this album. Mm-hmm. And they all, I know there's only a couple of them, but they actually add, they add to the album. They're not just mm-hmm. there. Nothing's out it's of place. It's more so near the and end. It, and it feels like it's right where it needs to be. Yeah. You know, the first one uh, is Hermit, I believe. I need that song. Like, I felt like I was, you know, it's it's almost a little emotionally draining to get through the first half and you get this nice little reprieve. Mm-hmm. And that's like where I would imagine that these servants are like taking some much needed rest before they got to go fight for their lives again the yeah. next day. Mm. So I, I just think it all is perfect. Yeah, to Justin's point, I mean, if you had to pick a single ship on fire, I, that's that's the song I think that 
you know, could stand alone mm. and would probably grab people's attention. And it's still a good, yeah, good representation yeah. of what, what, what the band does. Hmm. But yeah, uh, I definitely think they're succeeding in all the areas where, where sleep token is not, it's just a more complete, more complete package. And it's just, marketing at the end of the day if, if more people knew about this band i think they would they would like them uh well if you listen to the guy it sounds a lot of fucking do it yourself and shit and i feel like if this dude wanted to be more popular he could fucking get it done yeah. maybe this is where he wants to be it could be and and you're right he's this is a project he started completely by himself you know what i'm saying like clutch and he, they could be way bigger but they stick they get their own uh record label they're they're doing their own t- like they, they're where they want to be you know what i'm saying so as a fucking artist, maybe he doesn't want to yeah. be on the radio. And Zeal's getting out there. They've been on yeah. uh, festivals and stuff, or coming up to on festivals in Europe and whatnot throughout the summer. So you know, he might got lumped in on a tour with Sleep Token, and that might not be cool to him. That's true. You know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. that's true. Hmm. Yeah, best, best so, to stay on the other end of things, and you know, the people that want to see that. I don't know. Who knows? So yeah, I mean. If you're listening to this, the reason we bring this stuff up is because we want you to check out some new stuff. And this is this is a band. If you haven't checked them out, you're going to get something very different. And I think most everybody is going to find something here that they can enjoy. Mm-hmm. What are your closing thoughts on Zeal and Arter, Justin? Uh, just sit back and and listen and and just chill out while you while you listen to this. Don't expect just metal, and you'll definitely enjoy it. There's elements of like soul, blues, folk jazz at times black metal especially and even some electronic stuff in certain songs and they Mm -hmm. seamlessly blend this all into a very unique mix i've never heard anything quite like this uh from another band uh it does trail off a little bit the last four songs uh it becomes more zone out and almost ambient before the melodic closer built on ashes uh but it's still a very solid album and a fun listen i give it a four and a half out of six nice yeah at the very least this shit's interesting uh, it's a weird vibe. Uh, don't go by me saying it's weird. You know, I like weird shit. I'm just saying it's maybe like a Sunday afternoon during a rainstorm or some shit. Like, mm-hmm. kick this on. It's kind of that vibe. You know, it ain't like the we're throwing a party, fun time, jolly stuff. But uh, it's cool stuff. It's a solid four upside down pentagrams for me. Zealand Order. Check that shit out. Yeah. So listening back to this album this week. Uh, prior to this week, this wasn't the album that I listened to the most. And after getting four or five listens in, at least this week, mm-hmm. uh, I realized this is my favorite Zeal album. Mm-hmm. I actually like it better than 2022's album, the the self-titled album. So um, for me, I love this album. This is a six out of six. Yeah, get some. Nice. Six, six, six. All right, the uh, first album from 2018 that I brought to the table was from Parkway Drive. It is Reverence. Uh, This is Australian metalcore. It's their sixth album. It's 10 songs, 43 minutes. Uh, This album solidified the change in their sound that started with the previous album, 2015's Ire. The metalcore elements are kind of disappearing, and it's in favor of more of a straightforward heavy metal like arena metal sound with more clean vocals and a clearer focus on catchy songwriting that's more accessible to a bigger audience. Uh, they steer away from the more technical style they had on their first few albums, and this upset a lot of their longtime fans. Uh, truthfully, I knew about Parkway Drive all the way back in 2006 with uh, Horizons. 
Uh, and I was huge into the metalcore scene, still am, but they never really did anything for me at that time. Uh, they were just kind of another band and I didn't really care about them until this album hit. Uh, and then the first track I heard was the opening track, Wishing Well. And they fucking grabbed my attention instantly. <laughs> uh, what did you guys think of Wishing Well, the opening track? Uh, well, right off the get, I like the use of the dual guitars that they do. Uh, the lead guy actually does other shit besides solos. Like he's doing like some harmonic stuff and making use of effects and creating a bigger atmosphere instead of just doubling up on the fucking chuggas. You know, he's adding depth to the song. So I thought that was cool. Uh, you don't really hear that too much with what's going on nowadays. Like you said, they're kind of going back to an arena rock, you know, the dual guitars thing. That's it. That's it. I like that. Yeah, man. Great, great opener. I mean, one of my favorite songs on the album. And yeah, this was, it was around, I mean, really, I guess it started with the previous album, Ire, but mm -hmm. Jeff Link really mastered that technique of making that guitar sing, you know? Yeah. I mean, and he gets the crowd to sing his guitar. Yeah. It's pretty fucking He's cool. created a, a, a sound that is unique to Parkway now to the point where when you hear him playing, you know it's Parkway. Yeah. And that did not exist prior to this album. Mm -hmm. I don't think they had... Like I said, they were getting there with Iyer, but before that, I don't think they had the identity that they had now. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you hear it right out of the gate on this. Wild Eyes was on Atlas, and that's where it began, but it was very small, and then it got a little bit bigger with Iyer, and it really came to the forefront here with Reverence. Yeah, uh, true. Wild Eyes, I was... Yeah, yeah, that's it's where a, it's, it's, that's it's, where it started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but, but it, they've built on that. That was the that particular yep. sound. Yep. Uh, Wishing well to me, that's yeah, a perfect opener. It's acoustic at the beginning, then spoken word before that explosion. It was just the absolute best way you could open the album and immediately pull you in. Um, another track I really like is "I Hope You Rot." Uh, that's a song about uh, child abuse within the church, and they only say that title uh, of the track once in the song. But when he drops, I hope you rot. It has a lot of anger and hate behind it. And I think it makes it more powerful. Mm, it's a great title for a song, too. I hope you rot. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. You know you're going to have a good time with a song like that. About so, pray. Would you be a fan of pray? Jump, 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 jump. When oh, you hear it live, man, oh, that's what he starts yelling and everybody just gets bounced. And that's the most popular track on the album. I like album. the riff before the, the ding dong where bit kicks in. But it's a, it's a pretty cool fucking cool. riff. You know what I mean? absolute power the leads on that when you talk about the guy has a, a unique sound when i was hearing this shit it reminds me a lot of kirk hammett's sound on his mm -hmm. leads with that fucking wah and yes. uh but that song's got a really good clean stop at the end but uh yeah man very kirk hammett with the leads and that's cool that you say the crowd's like singing with that shit i can like it I agree 100% on the Kirk Hammett thing. I had that actually in my notes as yep. well to mention that. So, yeah, I, I definitely hear that. And then just in general, you hear them kind of, it's sort of the equivalent of when Metallica 
did the black album and mm. they kind of started to make that transition from mm. more thrash to starting to infuse a little bit more of the straightforward metal and the hard rock. It's the rite of passage of a, of a Metallica yeah. band, I guess. Something that's a little bit more accessible. They yeah. should open for Metallica. And, uh, they, that would go over very well. And they get the hate from the hardcore fans and the longtime fans, just like Metallica did. So, yeah, it's very, it's a very, you know, you're doing something right. (laughs) It's a very similar rise. I mean, they're headlining (laughs) festivals and stuff now, but yeah, like the truth drops like a bomb, that lyric and absolute power. And then it just gets that chug and the head bob. It's, it's good shit, man. I want to know if you guys heard what I heard on the song Cemetery Bloom. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a brooding song. But the cadence to the vocals is the exact same as The Devil Went Down to Georgia. And as soon as I heard it, I could not unhear it. And as the song's going, I'm singing along. The Devil Went Down to Georgia. And oh, it's, wow. uh, it's, it's that song. I haven't heard it, but I bet I will now. Uh, yeah, when we're done. I'm playing it in my head right now, and I can kind of see what you're oh, saying. Oh, man. It's. Uh, Cemetery Blooms, uh, it's kind of a transitional song on the album. It's more mm. of a lead into the following track, The Void. It's really cool when they play it live. They don't always play it, but uh, yeah. So Interest, the Void. <laughs> the Void. This song kind of rips off of the fucking Beat It riff. And then it's got some technical fruit noodling over it, but it's like, man, it seems like everybody's stealing the old Beat It ah. riff nowadays. That's Beat It. Man. I didn't notice that either. Um, I, I didn't I mean, either, Bobby. I that's that's I'm a, saying, that's I listened a val- to it, man. Not, now that you just did that, that's a that's a valid point. Well, I mean, I don't. But it sounds good. I, I mean, don't remember the last time I listened to Michael to, Jackson's to "Beat It." Probably when I sign cover it. That was probably the last time I heard it. No, they cover "Thriller," not "Beat It." You're right. You're right. That's okay. Fact check. Which I I don't know. I'm not. I've never been a big Michael Jackson fan, so but I'm definitely gonna listen now and see if i can make the comparison because that's always fun when you can when you can point that stuff out mm-hmm. there's a couple there uh shadow boxing is that the banger on the the, the crowd Not, like that one uh, i mean that's almost like new metal influence it's yeah more it's melodic. about as intense as they got on this album i was I, like i, I wonder I if that's it. the one but uh, i do like the violins in the background that added a cool fucking uh element to it while the guys doing they, they double up on the guitars and instead yeah. of the lead i enjoy they, shadow they the boxing. kicking the highs that was neat but to me, I was like, I bet this is the banger. But they really don't. Of all the tracks, I don't. I may have heard them play that live, but uh, mm-hmm. no, it's not one they they don't lean to. But Chronos, they always play Chronos. That's some of the best guitar work on the album. Okay, so Chronos has got a little bit of that jolly Scandinavian bounce to it, mm-hmm. and I know it's supposed to be all like stompy and brutal, but that shit always makes me fucking chuckle. Uh, that shit gets pretty epic though. It's got the big <laughs> solos and the nice fade out. But you know, you know the the Scandinavian yeah, jelly yeah. bound. That's fucking funny. But then it slides right into the closing track, the color spelled with a U of leaving. They're from Australia. Yeah, picks up the vibe from the intro uh, of the first track, which is cool. You know, you got to get the fade in, fade out. Cool way to book in the album. I always like when they do that shit. Color yeah. leaving's uh pretty haunting. Gives me goosebumps when I listen to it. That's uh, it's on a deeper level for me personally. It can be a tough listen, but it's a great closer. It is a really solid closer and one of the few times that the band really slowed down at least that much up until this point anyways. So in closing, Bobby. All right. In summary, count me down. Oh, boy. I didn't expect that. This one hurts, man. Damn. All right. Damn. 
Good use of the two guitars. Five. They sound pretty tight, and they got some clean stops and lock into their grooves pretty good. Four. I hope you rock. That's a pretty cool title to a song. Three. I like the use of the violins in the background. It really filled in the highs while the guitarist doubled up on the riff. Sounds cool. Two. Production guy was good. The transition from song to song was great. Some fade-ins and fade-outs. Some cool stops. Pretty consistent energy throughout the album. I like when they do that. One. I like when you put thought into your opening and closing tracks. It ain't got to be a goddamn concept album, but you can put a cool beginning and end on there, man. It ain't going to fucking hurt nobody. So in summary... This is totally radio rock. Uh, this is for Fire. the Fast and the Furious Fortnite Monster Energy Drink I shop uh, at Target crowd. Uh, uh, not for me. This shit was boring, and I was glad when it was over. So Parkway Drive's reverence is one upside-down pentagram. Overall, this is a great album. Definitely the album that put the band on the map for me and mm -hmm. probably a lot of other people. It's a good example of a band making a transition and it actually working out for them. And I've heard the band talk and I know everyone says this. That's what you're supposed to say when you change your sound dramatically, but they say it happens naturally. And in the way that I heard the, the progression of the band from album to album, I felt like it was a natural next step for the band. Yeah. And I think it paid off and, I mean, they're becoming a much bigger band because of it. Honestly, they learned how to write songs. And if you listen to them in old interviews, they said they literally didn't even know how to, you know, half-ass play their instruments. Mm -hmm. And they just pieced a bunch of shit together and Winston screamed over it. And they made it work. And they over it. the years, they've actually learned and figured out go. how to write songs. And now mm -hmm. they know how to write these big hooks and it, yeah, it gets all the Kyles and the Monster Energy guys together, yeah. and oh, yeah. you know we all punch drywall and shit. Like it's fucking great, man. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, how many albums did they be kicked out since they got the one? What last there's year? There's one after this. So the last time was the seventh. So I'm saying that obviously well, they, they, they didn't gotta, fucking fail. They just kicked out another album. They're still touring and shit. So they, they got, did. They did good. They did fine. They got an EP also. So yeah. So I'm saying they're still fucking relevant. Yep. They're bigger now, right? Oh, like, yeah, they, they are. So, this album sent them. Yeah. So fuck yeah. So on the other end of the scale here, I give this one a five out of six. I mm. uh, This album proved to be very divisive to their fan base. The old heads hated it, but it's undeniable what this album did for their career. Uh, Parkway Driver now headlining festivals and arenas, uh, playing in front of tens of thousands of people nightly instead of small clubs and side stages at the Warp Tour. Uh, whether you like the direction or not, it was a smart play on their part. Uh, this is definitive Parkway Drive to me. It's the true turning point. There are no weak songs, in my opinion. Starting heavy with uh, Wishing Well and ending on another level of heavy with The Color of Leaving. Uh, it takes you on a balanced ride through aggression, emotion, bouncing grooves, and melodic elements. It's a perfect six out of six for me. All right, get some. Six, six, six. All right, 2018. Uh, I already had the one pick, and so I just randomly picked this one. But Soulfly kicked that, and I'm Ritual. It was 10 songs, 43 minutes, Brazilian new metal thrashy death, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it's the 11th full length from them. Uh, an inconsistent catalog they have. <laughs> this, thankfully, was Mark Rizzo's last appearance with the band. And this is the first Soulfly album that did not debut on the Billboard 200. Starts with the title track, which is pretty fucking mediocre. Soulfly is not great with the openers. Sepultura always has a good fucking opener, but anyways. 
like I said, you know, fucking generic fucking song, but the lyrics, I do like the part at the end where he says, when you're facing the end, that's when your pilgrimage begins. I was like, fuck yeah, I like that. No pussy shit, man. What'd you guys think to the beginning of the new Soul Fly album? Or, yeah, I ritual. thought, uh, well, this is Soul Fly. It's mm-hmm. got a good groove to it, good head bobbing breakdown. You know, you definitely know who you're listening to. Right. So, that being said, the second song, Dead Behind the Eyes. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? Why was that not the opener? Yeah. It was dumb. It made the other song even dumber. I was like, what the fuck? Really badass, great galloping groove. And Randy on the dual attacks was really fucking cool and immediately fucking recognizable. I was like, yeah, all right. Well, we so go. I'm listening to that track and I wrote down, God, he sounds like Randy right there. And then I started <laughs> looking into it and I was like, oh shit, it was Randy. Yeah, that's so it. Randy, Randy Blythe from Lamb of God. I literally did the same thing. Yeah. I I was like, that sounds just like Randy. You, you know that voice, uh, man. It's unique. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a solid solo about three and a half minutes into that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming out of that solo, there's a super cool riff, almost like a ritualistic drum beat. Another head bobbing track. I, I, I really dug that. It's probably my favorite track on the album. So I, did, I didn't hate the first song, by the way. I did, eh. I did like that it started out with the tribally type stuff. Mm. You know, I like so that he kind of brought that back. Um, yeah, it wasn't the most exciting thing in the world, but uh, production-wise on this album, I I do like the way that it sounds because it's yes, it's got sort of the old school Sepultura type sound, not old old, um, but pre Chaos AD for sure. Well, what's cool is uh, it's usually only in Soul Flight he does it, but they use a lot of effects and stuff like the uh, flange and signal disruption and uh, Rizzo's leads aren't as fucking loud on this album. They're kind of buried a little bit, which is cool because I hate his fucking tone. But he had a production on this <laughs> is cool. And I think this was about the third album that Zion's on the drums, so he's feeling comfortable. Mm-hmm. He's locked in there and shit. So, uh, yeah, this was a surprising to me. Like I said, the first fucking song, like when I heard it back when it first came, I kicked on the first song. I'm like, ah, that's fucking Soulfly doing the new metal stuff. And I just fucking gonged it. But then there's fucking second and third songs kick in, and it's, he's fucking doing some cool shit. It's a little deathy, it's some black and thrash in there. Under Rapture's got a very death metal sound to it. But that's got Ross Dolan from Immolation on it. Fucking, that shit is crazy. It starts off like Bolt Thrower, and then it goes Groove Metal, and then it has that odd melodic postcard core shit, and then it goes Death Metal, the dual vocal mm-hmm. attack from fucking Ross. Oh, yeah. That's like the best track on there to me. I think that one's that's fucking another, super yeah, cool. Yeah, that's another really good one. Under Rapture. Under fucking Rapture, man. They do fucking really good stuff. The summoning Max is doing really cool shit vocally, like all over the whole album, really. But uh, like where he pauses in the cadences, usually it, it's uh, it's not typical to his style. He's in a different part of the song, and that's cool to see him, you know, progress as a singer and shit. 
but you know, he's got uh, Randy on here and the other, uh, he always guest vocals with other bands and he's always partying with all these other bands. So he's kind of learning tricks and different styles and stuff. And I think that's cool. Uh, the last album he did, his vocals are even better. You know, yeah. he's not just doing the, the, uh, go with the riff chunky, just, you know, adolescent vocals. He's, he's learning some shit. He doesn't have a lot of range, but you can change where you're at in the song to add a little bit of dynamics to it. Yeah. You're definitely starting to see that on this album because, I mean, Soulfly is kind of famous for having a very, all of their albums are very similar for the most part. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you did start to hear some differences here, at least vocally. Uh, then we got the Demonized, which changed the pace drastically with that little acoustic jam. Mm-hmm. I think there's like a bit of mandolin in there. I'm not sure what the fuck. There might have been flamenco guitar. That track gets bouncing. Uh, it gets that stuff. And then it does this, it's kind of a sloppy fucking transition. It comes out of, nowhere like fades into some sick fucking riffing and the pace picks back up for the album uh blood on the street starts with the killer tribal drums they have some extra percussions on that one i uh, got some cool effects and goes into that thrashy punk grind then they swing it into the other side and it's this awesome sludgy chunky groove that fades into more tribal drums uh that's just real fucking cool one the next song is weak as fuck it's just new metal so we won't talk about that feedback kind of got like a hard rock motorhead kind of vibe to it and uh of course the end the album with soulfly 11 which is always cool because you can tell what number album it is because it's like <laughs> which number soulfly it is but i think it's a neat tradition and they keep playing that fucking song every goddamn yeah. album it's a, always a cool way to go out even if you don't get any tribal drums on the album you know that one's gonna have some cool drums on it yep yep yeah, it's funny you mentioned feedback. I said the same thing. If I would have heard just the beginning of that song, I would have never known that was Soulfly. Mm-hmm. I would have never guessed it. Very classic metal sounding. Uh, Demonized, though. Yeah, I think that song goes, it's almost black metal once mm-hmm. it really gets going. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It's a little bit jarring the way it, it transitions. It's not super smooth it just kind of comes out of nowhere and blasts you in the face it's like they had that hey we'll do the acoustic jam and then we'll, and then i don't know maybe the sound guy was sick or something it's just a sloppy couple of seconds right yeah. there where they're like ah fuck it just go to the riff or whatever they could have made the transition a lot better there right like if it had been like their first album like some unknown band you'd be like whatever but it's like your 11th album you, don't, <laughs> like, you can't fucking yeah. fade into it or something shit i don't know just odd yeah but soulfly is one of those bands that you know, even when they're even when they put out something that's not as good, still better than a lot of the other stuff that people put out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you at least know what to expect when you when you pop in a Soulfly album, except for maybe Primitive. That was a little bit weird, but mm. back to the Primitive. <laughs> oh, man, this album I had not listened to since the initial listen, and uh, until this week I hadn't put it on. I did enjoy it more than I expected. It's still not a standout album for Soulfly. They have quite a few albums that I like a lot better than this one. Mm-hmm. I give this one a three and a half mm-hmm. out of six. This is one of those uh, Soulfly albums that I missed uh, when it first came out. So it was cool to go back and listen to it this week. Uh, nothing really stood out that like, I'd be like, you you have to listen to this, but I never wanted to change any of the tracks either. And I did enjoy the, the entire listen. It all had a good vibe, a good groove to it. Uh, it's just not very memorable in the end of the day. It's Soulfly, and it doesn't suck. Mm-hmm. So I give it a three and a half out of six also. Oh, yeah. 
So this shit totally took me by surprise. Like when it came out, I just listened to the first song and probably skipped way into it. And it was like, it's just new metal shit. So when I kicked down again this week, I was, you know, happily surprised. It's not all new metal. And uh, had some really fucking cool songs in there. And I slept on this one. My bad, Max. Uh, Soulfly's 11th album, Ritual. Is a four upside down penny nice. for me. Uh, it's not the best one, but it's damn sure not the fucking worst. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it is better than a lot of shit that came out in 2018. So, fucking oh, yeah. uh, good job, Max. And I like that he was uh, leveling up his vocals. And we saw what that work paid off with, with the last album, which is fucking badass. Mm. So, fuck yeah. So, fly. All right. So, the next album that we're going to be talking about is Ice Nine Kills with their album, The Silver Scream. 13 songs, 48 minutes. I think we've probably talked about Ice Nine Kills enough times on the show that you should be familiar with them by now. (laughs) But if not. But they're essentially a metalcore band that writes and performs horror-themed songs Mm -hmm. based on many of your favorite horror movies and some of the lesser-known ones as well. The Silver Scream was the first album in which the band started to theme each song after a particular horror movie. They had previously laid the groundwork for this formula in 2015 with their album Every Trick in the Book, in which every song was themed after a particular book. They closed that album with Hell in the Hallways, which was based on Stephen King's Carrie, and that kind of led us perfectly into The Silver Scream Mm because they ended it off with the horror-themed stuff. So So it's always been horror-themed. It's just the first one was books and this one's movies, and then I guess... Well, they had albums before that as they, well. They had horror, albums before that. They're just kind of every kind of horror thing. It right? was always uh, an underlying horror theme. Right, it okay. wasn't always as much uh, to the front as it is right now. Hmm. And then when they did every trick in the book, all of the books weren't horror themed, but a lot of them were. Right. And then when they got the silver screen, they just went full full force in. So, But they've always kind of been into that, in type that direction of stuff, so. I guess. yeah and then another real quick uh you said there's 13 tracks on that song on the album uh is that a common thing is that the 13 song or does that just happen to be a coincidence i think it's a coincidence, it's a coincidence. i hadn't thought about <laughs> it until know. you said it but well yeah. they, they seem like they plan a lot of the shit out they do plan that. a lot of things out yeah, yeah i mean i didn't know if that was part of it too like every album's a fucking 13 it's, or, and that's 13 songs on the regular edition not the uh final cut version right right mm-hmm. horror stuff you kind of got me. Uh, My bad. Ah, I want to know now. I'm gonna I got, but yeah, it like for for example, this is thirteen. This is thirteen songs, but Welcome to Horrorwood, Silver Scream Two is fourteen tracks. Okay, All right. I, so, I, no, I, it I was curious because I was like, okay. that's pretty fucking cool. I, I did. Yeah, like every little every song title, it's all you know. I didn't, yeah, I, they, they definitely put a lot of work and thought into what right. they're doing. Just wondering. So, spoilers, everyone. This is one of my favorite albums of all time. Of all you time. You like this band? Of all time. I like them a little bit. Yeah. Just, just a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Having been a horror fan my entire life, it's like this band took everything that I love and threw it all in a blender. Oh, yeah. And it just came out beautiful. The opening song is The American Nightmare, which is based on Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger. And I would advise everyone, before you write this band off as just a gimmick, you might want to actually listen to what they're doing. Besides the obvious storytelling part, there's actually some pretty technical stuff happening with the guitars. Their drummer is badass. Mm -hmm. They're a legitimate band, but yeah, they do uh, have a little bit of a gimmick going, and it's working quite well for them. 
Uh, Thank God It's Friday. It's probably my favorite song on the album. It's about Friday the 13th. Jason Voorhees. Imagine that. And it tells the story really perfectly. Starts out sounding like they're singing around a campfire before we hear the iconic. And then Mrs. Voorhees enters the song. (laughs) Samples. They use samples really good throughout this album. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. And one of the other cool things that really sets this band apart is they have almost like this Broadway type production on these songs. Mm-hmm. So in addition to just the regular cool metalcore stuff that they got going on, it sounds like they got a full symphony back in them at sometimes. And this song is a good example. You can hear the string section when they get towards the end and it really hits the climax of the story. And it sounds like music that you would hear scoring a horror movie. So it's really cool. Mm-hmm. It makes it really sound intense and theatrical. So that's my favorite song. Uh, what what do you guys think about this album? What are some of your favorites? I love this album. And thank God It's Friday also has a really cool acoustic version that I believe I've talked about before on the show. But it makes it feel like the campfire part is just the entire song because they do the whole thing acoustically. Hmm. It's really cool. With the final cut, I believe there's, there's either three or four acoustic songs on there. Definitely worth checking out. I didn't really put that together. The old hanging around a campfire with the yeah. Yeah, That's kind of funny. Yeah, missed that one. My bad. Uh, but I was surprised that the bass player and his low end punched through everything on this fucking mix. And that shit's clean and clear and loud. It's not doing anything really crazy. He's just holding it down. But it's cool that they realize that that's an important element needed to create this brooding, dark horror theme. And it definitely stood out to me immediately. As soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, they got the low end. You need that... Uh, you know, it fucks with the, the brain a little bit, that, that that rumbling feeling inside of you. And then you get the highs on there. You know, like in the, in the horror movies, they always got violins or some shit, but they always got some low rumbling underneath. So that's cool that they did that. And I really like the clever wordplay with the song titles. Let you know these guys are going to lend a bit of humor to the experience, whether it's more witty or slapstick or dark satirical or whatever the fuck you want to call it. They don't get too serious. It's all in good fun. You know, what it's about, like, murder and shit. So, you know, oh, the children, they're just fucking goofing. Look at the goddamn song titles. You know what I'm saying? Stabbing in the dark. Like the fucking Halloween. last sound they use on the piano there yes. in the background. It's kind of like a busted old school piano with the plinkety plunkety kind of shitty fucking sound. Has a creepy vibe to it. I like that they... They're putting a little effort into picking their sounds, and that's what I was wondering. It was the 13 trend. They put a lot of thought into what the fuck they're doing. What's creepier than an old broken school fucking piano? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned the wordplay. 
one of my favorite songs on this album is Rocking the Boat, mm. which is about the yeah. movie Jaws. Song about Jaws. Uh, it's cool for a lot of reasons. I mean, I grew up watching Jaws and it was the scariest damn thing I had saw at the time. Mm. You know, not it, so much now, but you know. That breakdown, I, though, makes you feel I like Jaws is coming to get you, man. I thought about that every time I went to the beach. I thought about Jaws. I don't know. I I just think there should be more songs about people being eaten by sharks. It's a great topic <laughs> for like any like thrash, uh, death metal, obviously, even punk, uh, maybe K-pop. I don't know. People getting eaten by sharks. That's a cool fucking topic. And I like how they did the Jaws riff without really doing the mm-hmm. Jaws riff. Yeah. yeah, They dodged the copyrights and all that. That was a good job there. Sneak attack. Yeah, and they also threw some Easter eggs in this song for people that have been listening to the band. Mm. Uh, prior to this album, they throw in a lot of their old album titles from previous albums. So there's a part where it says, reel them in with every trick in the book. Every yep. trick in the book was mm-hmm. the album before this. There you go. Uh, there's another part about the Predator becoming the Prey. That was mm-hmm. another one of their previous album titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they snuck three or four of them in there, so it was it was pretty cool and They're kind sneaky of a, bastards. Kind of a cool way to just shout out your old fans because people that just jumped on at that at that album might not have caught that stuff. So yeah. hmm. I thought that was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Enjoy your sleigh is another favorite of mine. It's about The Shining, which yep. is one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. It is one of the heavier songs on the album. Mm-hmm. Beautifully Here's composed. Johnny. But they still managed to put the part in there with Spencer screaming, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your fucking brains out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that song. I like Savages a lot also. It's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Leatherface. The opening has got Screech that's like right out of the movie before the lyrics kick in. Like Screech from Saved by the Bell? No, not quite. <laughs> Much cooler. You also get those Hey, Hey, Hey chants that uh, at the live show, it's like James Hetfield. All right, you know? people like that one. Huh? And... uh Good shit, man. A lot of the haze always go over live. Savages <laughs> is really killer live. Right. The Merry Xmas. What the fucking movie is that? Merry Xmas was uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. It's one of the lesser known yeah. movies on the yeah, Omnia. Yeah, it's on it's the Santa Claus killing people. Well, yeah. I, like I, was, I get uh, that, but uh, the carolers and the backup vocals, it almost reminded me of the falsettos that Green Jelly does with the three little pigs. Uh, yeah. But it yeah. was like a little it, extra creepier because it was Christmas carolers, and I thought it was an interesting touch. To have a Christmas song, and then you get some carolers for your your backup. That was pretty neat. That could have been intentional, by the way, because if you watch the video for that one, it's like an animated video of Santa Claus running around killing people. Uh-huh. Makes me think maybe they might have had green jelly in mind whenever they. Because I don't think it's what they're doing is an actual falsetto, and green jelly it is. But it was cool that the carolers it added a weird vibe to it. I liked it. And by the way, I know that from interviews and stuff that is actually spencer's like favorite song that he recorded really uh, his favorite movie to talk about because nobody knows that fucking movie uh, right. it's pretty absurd, so he man. thought that was pretty cool to sneak that one in there that's, like a, little, B-whore. that's a little bit more uh creative freedom whereas if it's something everybody knows you have to hit all the points yeah you know what I'm saying? whereas they don't know what the fuck it is you can just which i'll say i think they do i I haven't found any inconsistencies with the song lyrics as far as matching up with the movies. I think he's a big enough fan. I mean, the guy goes and does, he, they're doing their own horror convention now. So it's fucking thought out. The one track that comes off a little weird to me and always has is Freak Flag for the Devil's Rejects. I always like mm. the Devil's Rejects a lot. Mm. Uh, they're very psychotic. And uh, mm. this one always come off a little too happy for me. 
Mm. It's not it's not a track I dislike, but I, I don't know. I just kind of expected more from a Devils I, or Dicks track. I mean, I think they were pretty happy. The wrong kind of happy. <laughs> Different kind of happy. I get you. I just, no, I know what you mean. And I, actually, that song, it sounds like an I Prevail song. I don't know if you ever made uh, that comparison. Fair, fair. But, uh, I can yeah. hear that now, yeah. It is a little bit of an outlier on the rest of the album. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I didn't. It that was the one that took me the longest to figure out what they were singing about hmm. because it doesn't necessarily match up with yeah, the movie. I wouldn't have guessed. I didn't know yeah. the fucking vibe was either. Yeah, I mean, like that yeah it's it's a little little out there, but uh, it is it's the not end. bad. It's is, about it. That one's fun. Pennywise. It's got the cool circus music intro, oh, yeah. and I don't know why, but I've always liked circus music and. It's got that goofy fucking swing to it. I don't and know. the little clown horn. That, that's the best part. That <laughs> cool shit, cool, man. man. Uh, that shit was hilarious. At an or- I mean, circus music's fucking funny as it is, but then <laughs> just, fu- oh, man. It's a lot of fun to watch him do that one live because yeah. he puts on the fucking clown the wig and the costume yeah. and he's right. dancing around. Balloons like and shit. shit. Right. Their live show, Ice Nine Kills, man. Yeah. Like, whether you like the music oh, or not, if you're, if you're into horror, you got to check out Ice Nine Kills like live. It's going to be a bunch of flashing lights. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a decent amount of flash. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, horror, so you gotta yeah, have in there. Like, that's where it should be, but I ain't gonna see yeah. that shit. But I mean, I mean, generally speaking, yeah, if you're into horror, you gotta you gotta see Ice Nine Kills live. But you, like, you know, for that song, they have a little kid or someone that looks like a little kid come out dressed as Georgie, and yeah, it's got the little raincoat hey, on and the balloon and stuff. It's it's they kill shit. the kid. I mean, they do. Yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. nobody's safe. Nobody. So I. I could go on about every song on this one. Uh, hmm. Another favorite for mine, and then and, and we can move on, but uh, very sentimental favorite to me is The World in My Hands mm-hmm. because it's about Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. And probably the closest thing to a love song on the album, but I, I really love it because I'm a sucker for Edward Scissorhands and the song makes me feel stuff. It's a cool <laughs> track, too, and Edward Scissorhands isn't your typical horror movie. No, so I, it's I a little wouldn't outside have the even, box on it. You know? Yeah, I probably wouldn't story. really yeah. classify it as a horror. But, I mean, they got a, they got a track for the crow on here Weird too. So, I mean, yeah. it's the same line as that. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. kind of a little sort of vengeance movie. Yeah, yeah. not really. Yeah, goofy looking, Halloweeny. I guess it it applies. It does. Yeah, I mean, and it fits right. the theme of the album. So, what do you think, Justin? Closing thoughts on the Silver Scream? Uh, I think they uh, blend metal with horror in a way that hadn't quite been done to this extent before i mean metal and horror always go together but they took it to another level uh songs about the movies yet not cheesy ripoffs uh they perfectly play samples that aren't overdone uh and these these mostly all sound like songs that you could put right into the movies without taking away from anything uh you can tell the band has a real love for this and it's not some cheap gimmick or a cash in this is true fandom and it's really cool uh, Silver Screams was a game changer, but it's not perfect. I give it a five and a half out of six. Wow. Freak Flag is why it's five and a half. Uh, all right. Shit. Well, I guess in summary, count me down, fellas. Oh, God damn it, Bobby. Wait, wait, wait. God damn it, Bobby. Just first, I want everybody to know. God damn it, Bobby. That I'm giving Bobby the finger as hard as I could possibly give it to I'm him right now. One. All right. Fuck. Six. Good production on the bass. Five. I like the puns. Four. Four. The good background piano sound is cool. Three. Three. I like songs about sharks. Two. Christmas carolers make for interesting backup vocals. One. And I really enjoyed the bit with the circus music. Man. So, in general, this is pretty generic paint-by-the-numbers songwriting. It's uh, mostly about the gimmick, which is clever lyrics and horror movie thematics. Musically, 
Nothing really innovative or interesting going on. None of the musicians are very impressive. And he absolutely butchered the thriller, which is unforgivable. This shit started to give me anxiety. No joke. I thought I wanted to smoke a cigarette. I just wanted it to be over. And it was a long fucking album. They label themselves as theatrical, which I think that's great. So when I see a band and it says it's theatrical, I know I don't like that. And I appreciate the heads up. I don't ever want to hear this shit again, but I know hanging out with you two fucks, I won't be so lucky. <laughs> Ice Nine Kills fucking suck. One upside down pentagram. I don't even know how I can <laughs> speak after that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Ain't so easy, ain't on easy a positive pals, note, man, you know? we were talking about how cool it is to have a song about Jaws. <laughs> I like songs about sharks. One of the coolest things I've seen, and I don't think I'm going to see it again. Uh, if any of you have been to an Ice Nine Kills show and you've seen it, let me know. Because as far as I know, <laughs> this particular thing was specific to Shiprocked. And I, okay, I want to know, know if anyone else has seen this. Because when we saw them on Shiprocked, a guy came out wearing a giant inflatable shark suit and the band stopped in the middle of the song and just got the whole crowd chanting, fuck this shark, fuck this shark. Nice. And it was fucking hilarious. And I'd never seen them do it at a show since. And I've seen them quite a few times since then. So yeah. let me know uh, other than Shiprocked if anyone has saw that. I, well, I as a member of the NSA National Sharks Association, uh, I think that's fucked up that you're targeting sharks in a negative way, sir. I mean, they kind of oh, asked for it. Did they? They're smiling all the time. They're happy creatures. They, they ate my niece. Well, you know, at least they stopped right at the fucking knee. <laughs> <laughs> so. This has been jawsome. So really, for me, <laughs> there's nothing else out there like Ice Nine Kills. Mm -mm. I'll give you that. I agree with Justin. Yeah, there's a gimmick aspect to it, but it comes from a real place. <laughs> it Love comes it. from a guy that spent a lot of time watching horror movies with his friends on the weekends. Spencer Charnas. It comes from a fucking nerd. And I appreciate all of his attention to detail. I appreciate the Broadway-like quality that they have in their recordings as well as their live shows. And this album, to me, is perfect. I think it's a six out of six. Six, six, six. So next up we're going to talk about is from Ghost. It was prequel. It's the fourth studio album. They're considered rock, progressive rock, at times kind of metal, influenced by Blue Oyster Cult and, I don't know, hate 80s hair metal, I guess. Hmm. Uh, this is the prequel story to the Ghost mythology with lyrical content about the plague and the Black Death. 10 songs, 42 minutes. What'd you think of this one, Bobby? Uh, Ashes. Excellent fucking fade in. And the uh, kids singing the nursery rhyme thing was pretty cool. It's creepy like the old uh, Freddy's coming for you. You know, the it nightmare. Was, it was Ring Around the Rosie, and it's actually lead singer Tobias Forge's daughter that does the vocals for that. It's fucking awesome pretty shit. Cool, sounds right? fucking yeah. creepy. Sounded evil. I like that. And... Uh, you said it's got kind of the old uh, 80s hair. The song Rats really oh, yeah. kicks in like the 80s era Aussie sound. And then uh, the last 20 seconds is almost sort of like uh, 
not as horrible as the beginning. But yes, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, Blue Oyster Cole. If they were an '80s hair, hair metal band, that's a good way. It's to, a good mix, yeah. yeah. For, for this album, anyway. This is the fourth album. Fourth, they... fourth album, but in, if you put it in order of sound progression, it's technically supposed to be the first. It's supposed to sound old. Okay, so. but uh, this they got one more out there, or is this the last yeah, one? Yeah, Impera came out after this, okay. which is the most recent. came out last year, 2022. And is there like a continuing story throughout the, all the hours? Yes, Pop, Papa, who is Tobias Forge's lead singer. Rats is the uh, lead single yeah. from the album, though. Yeah, you immediately are hit with a different version of Ghost here, hmm. which is more synth and 80s, which fits perfectly into the theme of the album. I love when he goes, rats, rats, rats. It's fucking cool. Yeah, this album is where Ghost finally clicked for me. Yeah. This Same. was one of the bands that I would have, well, I did put in the category with Mastodon, Gojira, Go Dillinger, Escape Plan. Just bands that have all this hype around them. Not that none of them sound alike. I wasn't saying that. It's like these bands that have a ton of hype mm-hmm. and I would listen to them and I couldn't understand why everybody liked it. Mm. Uh, two out of those three bands, I still don't understand. Ghost, it finally clicked. I put it on at the right moment. Rats came on and I was like, damn, I love the organs in the background. It adds a really extra layer of cheesy creepiness. It's the best way mm, I can say cheesy it. Cheesy creepiness. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely cheesy. I hear people jokingly compare it to Scooby-Doo. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's cool. I like Scooby-Doo. It's mm. cool, man. Uh, miss, is it uh, Maisma? 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 Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. That's, uh, here comes the synth again. Mm-hmm. Feeling very 80s. It's an instrumental track with a saxophone solo in it that I really enjoyed. Oh, man. It leads uh, perfectly into the next track, too, which is Dance Macabre, which we'll get on in a second. Right. It's but. super smooth as Cynthia fucking fade in. I think it's the best song on the album. It's really No cool. fucking vocals, uh, but very retro synth wave or whatever the fuck that genre is that's going on. Uh, I don't know how the fuck they got away with stealing the riff from Beat It. Everybody's doing that, apparently, this fucking year. Everybody's kicking out beat it rip off it. uh, it's right it. before we'll, we'll the saxophone back. kicks in and i'm pretty sure that's the dude from the lost boys movie playing the saxophone with the slick back hair and he's all <laughs> muscly yeah i wouldn't have picked up on this if we didn't recently listen to rush but man yeah there's a lot of rush influence oh, in that song you can hear it Quite a bit. Canadian progression. I got you. Yeah. And and just like Rush, Bobby preferred it without the vocals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it does slide into uh, Dance, Dance Macabre. Yep. Another one of those uh, pronunciations. Uh, the guy. Where are they Macabre, fucking from? They French? Francais? Is that what they're doing? No, they're Anyways, from Sweden. Uh, Sweet. he, Sorry. He pronounces shit real weird. Kind of like the Avatar guy in, the, in this moment. Uh, but uh, I want to be with you. All night, like yeah, he, he says, kind of you. It's yeah. kind of goofy. Sounding. Well, he says be with you, and then he says bewitched you. Is that he what's does going say on? Both, yes. It sounds goofy, yeah. but that, that was one of the ones that stuck. But he says a lot of goofy, uh, pronunciated shit, kind of like uh, sleep token. But I feel like they were doing it on purpose just to be dumb. Yeah. But you said the the girl from in this moment kind of created her own, uh, yeah, thing. And I'm wondering if that's kind of a thing that people do. Like, yeah. It's kind of interesting. It could it, be. It then, got my attention. I don't really listen to it, but I was like, why is he saying shit goofy? Where the fuck? Dance yeah. Macabre is the uh, most streamed song on the album. That's it the is one. the cheesiest it's of cr- cheesy songs it's- I've ever heard. 
and I love it. It's the most 80s themed song. It's got such a like a Miami Vice vibe to mm. it. Uh, it's become a live staple. Speaking of that live show, I highly recommend seeing them once in your life if you haven't. Even if you're not into it, it's a fucking show. It's really cool. Uh, this is the high point of the album. It's pretty goes pretty much mellow after this track. Goes on to that ritual side. Their super fans call it a ritual at their live shows hmm. uh, for the remainder of the album. But Nerds. Uh, yeah, <laughs> is that like the pro memoria type shit? That yeah, from, about? Then, from then moving forward, it's pretty mellow and just a different vibe. So. Yeah, that one had the really nice orchestral swells in the beginning. And when it kicks in, just about everything going on with the piano is from other songs. Like it was it was so many different piano riffs from other songs that I, I couldn't concentrate to figure out what the song it was from. And it ended up not being able to hear the rest. I was just like Rain Man going, nope, 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 that's not yours. Nope, nope, for the rest <laughs> of the song. So I don't know what the rest of the song sounded like. But then it had that sweet-ass orchestral fade out. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, I feel better. But man, the pianos, I was like, that, what is that from? That's, and then they did more. And it's, it, they got a lot of stolen fucking piano stuff here. Pro Memoria is what it would sound like if Pink Floyd wrote a love song to Satan. Mm. Mm, yeah, all right. Hey. I like that one. That sounds good. Now, like, the, the song Helvetus Fonster. The instrumental kind you of are, filler song. You're braver than me. Yeah. I just wrote that? instrumental track. Yeah. Do you know what that fucking means? What's no. that mean? Oh, I, I saw a word. didn't know what it means. So I went and looked it up. This is the Swedish Jolly Jam song. Uh, and the dude playing the skin flute totally rips off the song from Willow. And then so I was like, what the fuck is a Helvetus Fonster? It translates to Hell Window. Hell window, okay. but it has to do with in the Middle Ages, uh, women had this thing uh, stitched into their clothing called the hell window, so you could see their side boob. Oh, the songs about <laughs> medieval side, side boob. boob. Nice. What the fuck? That's awesome. <laughs> hey, everybody likes some side boob, right? Fuck yeah. The hell window. That might be some of the best investigative work yeah, we've seen I, on this uh, show. Research sure. and development, baby. <laughs> good, good job, Bobby. <laughs> Life Eternal's the closer. That's a very mellow and melodic song to close it out. I think it's a good track. Uh, Bobby, how'd you feel about the album overall, though? Well, in summary, count me down, fellas. Ah, fucking hell. God. Six. I like the album cover. Five. Cool intro track. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Four. Sometimes a shitty song will have a good bit at the end if you hang in there and be patient. Three. I like the synth wave instrumental. Two. I like the use of an orchestra for the outro intro. One. There's a song about fucking medieval side boob. So uh, there's an odd lack of energy with these guys. This is supposed to be rocking. It's not. It's not really chill music either. It's fucking boring. I don't get it. I get the fucking spectacle. I like that shit. Church of Death or whatever the fuck they're doing. That's cool. But the music, I don't get it. This shit's fucking weak. Ghost, the prequel, one upside down pentagram. 
They're coming later this year. I wasn't going to go to that show, but now we all have to go. We have to go to this ritual and fucking get it. Maybe maybe me and Jason split your ticket. All right, I'll do that. When in Rome. Fuck. I feel like medieval side boom was enough to give it a 1.5. That was my my number one thing I got out of it. God damn it. You could have bumped it up to 1.5 for medieval side boom. They didn't make it up. That's an old time term. I learned. I could have fucking seen that word anywhere. God damn it, Bobby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Ghost. Ghost. The most heavy metal band of all time. No, not really. Not really. <laughs> Ghost but. fuck yourself. <laughs> Solid album. The album that made me a fan of the band. Yeah. Tapers off just a bit towards the end. Definitely. But definitely takes you on an adventure. It's a really solid album. I give it a five out of six. All right. Uh, Ghost is a band that I knew of since their second album in 2013. They caught my attention with Zombie Queen, uh, but I never really dabbled in any of their full albums for whatever reason. This is the one that finally clicked. Uh, I have a love for 80s music and this interesting blend of Ghost's signature sound and that 80s synth pop is exactly what I was looking for at the time. And the album does trail off a bit at the end, as Jason mentioned, Uh, but there's a lot to like here. And I also give it a five out of six. All right. Bobby, <laughs> what's the last album we're going to talk about today? Oh, man. So I told you the order. I listened to this shit, and the whole fucking time I knew I had this pick on the list. As soon as we fucking decided what we were going to do, I saw and I picked this. And every time I was listening to y'all's picks, all I could, I just, I hope you guys fucking hate every second of this fucking album. Count me down, fellas. I fucking hope so. So. 2018, three piece from California, high on fire, electric messiah, nine songs, 57 minutes of stoner metal awesomeness. This is their eighth full length album. Sadly, the last to have Des Kenzel behind the drum kit. That is one of my favorite drummers. I love that fucking dude. Uh, he is hard to replace. I've seen the new guy and that guy is fucking struggling to keep up and he's bad as fuck. Uh, this album is basically a tribute to the late great Lemmy Kilmeister. Uh, old Pike had a dream where he confronted Lemmy and Lemmy was mad at him, so he fucking wrote an album about it. Starts out pretty fucking weak, spewing from the earth, which is odd. They usually start off with a good one. Uh, their sound is very different on this album. Uh, the whole band sounds there. The drums sound different, the bass, everything has an odd fucking uh, clarity to it, and they usually have like a more scummy stoned out vibe but like i said this is a tribute to Lem, so it's got a hard rock vibe to it uh what can you do what do you guys think at the beginning of this album so it's funny you said that from spoon from the earth because i said there's uh lots of riffing here mm. which continues throughout the album uh song has a good groove but i'm not a fan of this vocal style because it reminds me of lemmy mm. i'm not a big lemmy fan so I think it was around Bless Black Wings when he really started getting the Lemmy vibe with his vocals. And a lot of people was saying that to him. And after Lemmy passed, he had this dream. And, and then in the dream, Lemmy's mad at him. Like, you fucking sound like shit. And then, Pretty wild, though. Like so he's, He kind of cleaned it up. He's leaning more towards the limb on this album. Tribute so. to Lemmy. And I got that vibe, the that's, Lemmy vibes out of it. That's pretty cool. So he did, he did what he was looking for there, for sure. Eh? I think it's funny for a different reason mm-hmm. because Bobby didn't like the first track 
And that's one of the ones I really liked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't listen to I'm just saying in comparison to the rest of you, I was like, what the fuck is this? That's a weak start, dude. And uh, also the album before this is their worst one. Like they have an inconsistent catalog also. So I was like, man, you guys shit in the bed again. And I mean, so the first one, not Fair great enough. Now the second song on the other hand is fucking killer. What's that song? Steps of the Ziggurat House of Envy. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Fucking Ziggurat. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Sleazy guitars in the beginning with uh, some battle drums and that warlike chant from Pike, which is uh, a little different than what he usually does. Then that sick sludgy groove and Pike <laughs> with those gravelly vocals that sound like he came back from the fucking dead just to scream the lyrics. And then about two and a half minutes in, the shit gets pretty serious. They go into that epic gallop. The bass is going off. Cool solos and the weird effects on the vocals at the end. He sounds like a goddamn Cenobite. But uh, this is good old high on fire. Now we're getting into the fucking album. Shit's fucking picking up. Do you guys like the second song? Yeah, that was sludgy, brooding, ominous. Mm -hmm. A little Uh, different vibe from the first one. Yeah, I really liked it a lot on this one, actually. Uh, When the vocals kick in, there's that subtle drum kick happening behind it. It's pretty cool. It's a really long track, though. It's nine minutes, 21 seconds. Mm. And it drags a little bit in the middle until about, I don't know, about six and a half minutes in. Uh, the drums come back to the front and it starts kicking up to, uh, the pace to close out that track. But I, I did like that track. What happened at six and a half? I was sleeping when that oh, when it got to that part. Yeah, this song's I, way too long for me. Uh, what I learned I like is, long uh, songs. yeah, what I learned is I like their more fast paced stuff. Uh, I appreciated that they would break it up. They would do a big long song like this one. And then they would go back into something shorter like Electric Messiah right after it, mm. which oh, was a lot more fast paced, yeah. shorter, the sludgier stuff. Like it really starts to lose me in the middle. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not I don't know. So I, maybe I, I need some marijuana. So maybe Electric Messiah won him a Grammy in 2019. And won him the fucking Grammy. So, so two, you, two years in a row, they actually gave the metal Grammy to a metal band. Good for them. It, mean, didn't go, it didn't go to Bon Jovi. So but I'm saying you're going to write a tribute to Lim. It's going to win a fucking Grammy. It better be good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you're going to do a tribute, it better be fucking awesome. Don't write no fucking pussy shit. It's got the motorhead grind with a little bit of Venom style thrashiness and with all of that rock and roll fucking swagger. It's even got the cool rock and roll ending. Uh, but this is actually a great example of what High on Fire does. They just kind of cleaned it up and tightened it up a little bit. Uh, it won the fucking Grammy Best Metal Performance. Not that they had much competition that year uh, between The Buried and Me, Death Heaven, Under Oath, and Trivium. Uh, hey, I give it to Trivium. Nah, well, they didn't get it. So. What song was it? For Triviums? Yeah, it depends on the song. Because uh, this was a pretty yeah, damn good High on Fire song. It's, it's, it's a fucking... I like Electric Messiah. It's actually, on it. it has potential to actually be catchy. If you, if you listen to it enough times <laughs> yeah they don't really go that fucking angle but it is uh this was also it went number five for it's best th- hard rock album in the u.s and scotland and belgium also thought it was pretty cool well electric uh, was that that song man it's it's thrashy hmm? it's different man it's got high energy i really I, re- I did enjoy that track a lot uh most of the album has a consistent motorhead grindy energy to it, which is, you know, that's a motorhead Let album. It's a speed. They got the couple dips in there. Uh, they got some drop over. It gets a little too out there with the, you know, fucking 72 week long guitar solo. It's not for everybody. Sanctioned annihilation. 10 minutes, 30 seconds. Jason probably hated Sanctioned that. Right? Annihilation. 
Oh, it starts like nothing they ever fucking done. The beginning kind of has like a Jeff Hanneman tinged evilness to it with a little sleazy blues underneath. And when it kicks in, uh, sounds like if Crowbar wrote a Lamb of God song for Mastodon, but High on Fire got a hold of it. Uh, it's got a crazy solo in there. It kind of sounds like 70s California hard rock mixed with thrashy 80s shredding. Like none of their shit sounds like this fucking song. Really fucking cool direction they went what, with. What what bands did you say that was? Crowbar wrote a Lamb of God song for Mastodon, but somehow High on Fire got it. That's what it God, sounds like to me. Your analogies, man. Love it. A little bit funny. of Jeff Hanneman evilness with the old yeah, like, like uh, I thought that had to be repeated. That was good. All right. Nah, it's funny that it you did mention Crowbar though, because when I first kicked this album on, I was like, it's kind of weird that I haven't really listened to this band mm, because same. I could immediately hear a little bit of Crowbar. I could hear a little bit of Down, mm. uh, just that type of vibe. But Southern sludginess it started out a little faster. Because you know the the first song had, was a lot more up tempo. Well, Dez on them drums, nobody has that, and it sucks. He's not there anymore. Like he just naturally attacks the drums like that. He don't even care what brand. He was just like, I got these loud drums. They sound real fucking loud next to these guys, and he just little dude <laughs> just fucking beating the shit out this of. This is their man. most recent album, right? So this is they this is the last stuff they've done. Uh, they got the new guy. He actually was from Big Business and the Melvins. Uh, not Dale Crover. But uh, they are rumored to be kicking out an album this year to be determined, you know, because it might slide into next year, you know, marketing and shit goes. But they are out there touring and stuff. Uh, Pike's done with Pike and the uh, Automaton, so he's focusing mainly on High and Fire right now. So, yeah. Cool. But yeah, yeah uh, I don't know. I think he just retired, you know, family stuff. And that sucks. He ain't going to do shit because he's bad as fuck. But yeah, sanctioned annihilation. Mm-hmm. Way too fucking long for That's me. That's a zone out song there. You got to have levels right for that one. Yeah, I don't think uh, the drums stand out. I'm not the zone out guy. Like yeah. that type mm. of music gets lost on me really quick. Mm. But it does have a cool sound. It's really fucking heavy sounding. Mm-hmm. There's like a constant and almost battle cry, in my it, opinion. It's what I would imagine would be playing as you walk through a dark tunnel that was leading you to the pits of hell. It's go. just Battle got cry. like a really yep. nasty, dark sound. Yeah. And I, going I, into I appreciated war, man. it. It's just, you know, it went on so long. And it's a long tunnel. It, it's Yeah, I just don't think that type of stuff's for me. I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, the pallid mask is weak as fuck, so moving on. Because the god of the godless is fucking cool. Kind of got an obituary feel to it. Uh, the riff's kind of simple for Matt Pike, but then he's sort of more complex on what he's doing with the vocals. I mean, complex for Matt Pike. So it's kind of cool that he uh, did the contrast there. Solo sounds like some shit Rocky George would have done, and I fucking love that. That was my takeaway. This song, this this one hooked me in because I kept waiting and waiting for this. You know, it was this real slow buildup, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, something's coming, and they really make you fucking work for it. Mm-hmm. But when it hits, it really fucking hits. And you get that solo all the way through. It, it's fucking great, man.
Um, I actually thought the opening riff on that track grabbed me like right away. I like that one. He's a fucking riff master. God of the Godless. Definitely did. Uh, The drums are really fucking cool towards the end and then it gets super thrashy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was unsure about this song at first, but after the second listen, this was my favorite song on the album. Yeah. Goes into free booter, which just kicks you right in the fucking teeth. No pun intended there. Uh, Nonstop pummeling drums, then some thrashy stunt riffing. You got some cool sweeping arpeggios on there. And uh, if you've ever overslept or you forgot to do something and now you're in a rush, this is a good one to kick on. Everyone's <laughs> fucking killing it. And it's very go, go, go energy, man. Uh, that freebooter, man. That'll get you. There's a scream that goes into that solo mm-hmm. about three minutes in. Yeah, I should wake you up. He's got a fucking horrible fuck like from the grave scream, man. That's fucking sick sounding like a, the grinding of a tomb opening. <laughs> I guess it's normal for this style, maybe, uh, you know, but it's different for me hearing the vocals kind of so far back in the mix. Like, I. Yeah, they drown I, it out. We don't it, give a it, fuck about it, that. It was pretty buried. Yeah. Mm. And it, that this was kind of weird for front, me. Like I said, the production on this, it just hit, the vocals are kind of more up front on wow. this one. That's you crazy. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, they're trying to go more hard rock. Like, it's, it doesn't have the. The stoner scum. On so that it. that's pretty funny because yeah, I yeah. still felt like it was pretty. pretty but yeah, far the down genre there. is usually <laughs> buried because it's usually uh, if you think like Mastodon and stuff, the, the guys singing are also playing an instrument, and yeah. uh, that's hard to fucking do. So there's the, the the long parts with no singing because we're over here fucking doing some hard shit, you know. But uh, yeah, Pike's vocals is okay, I guess. Um, I like the earlier stuff before he had got a, a singing coach. And then he got a singing coach, and I thought he sounded worse. Kind of like a Hetfield. Like in the <laughs> beginning, he sounded kind of cool. And then, like on the, the Black Album, he got the singing coach, and then he sounded like. I, it, I feel like something happened to his voice, though. Because he knows that changed, same kind so. of weird thing. More than uh, a singing coach. The Witch and the Christ, minus the vocals, kind of sounds like it should have been on the God Hates Us All album. Thought this was a pretty cool fucking song. Like, again, it doesn't sound like any of their other stuff, but it just had that. What was God Hates all early 2000s fucking crunch to it. Like, it was not deathies, not new metal. It just had, I don't know, groovy fucking... Everybody had Marshalls and playing out of Gibsons. I don't know, it's just that sound. And like I said, if you took the vocals out, could have been a fucking Slayer song right there. And the closer, yeah. Drowning Dog, has like an Iron Maiden-style epicness to it. Got a catchy uh, riff. I like that one. It's not their best closer, but it fits the vibe of this album. Uh, has more of an overall rock and roll attitude. It's solid, though. As opposed to the normal fucking uh, brutality. Oh, it's a fucking great song. Um, I mean, yeah, you want to go on an epic fucking rock and roll vibe. Talking about old Lem, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, so you guys got any finishing thoughts before I wrap this up on High on Fire? Yeah, I can, I can totally see why this band is so respected and I mean, I definitely wouldn't deny the talent that they have. I mean, you legit won a fucking Grammy, so. Right. Know? And I haven't won a Grammy, so, right. you know. Yet. Uh, but that said, this is a far cry from the style of music that mm. I usually listen to. And I, I couldn't really see myself jamming this album very often unless I just had it on in the background while I'm working or something. Mm. Uh, kind of similar to how I feel about Mastodon. I, mm-hmm. I don't really dislike it. It's just not my vibe, mm. uh, but I respect it. But as far as rating, whether or not I want to listen to it again, I give this one the good old 
pronged. Yeah, pronged it. Eh? Three, out, three, out, out, of three out of six. All right. Three out of Justin, six. Justin, on fire. I think uh, these dudes are all really talented, but the overall sound doesn't pique my interest. Mm. I don't dislike it. I had absolutely no desire to turn it off, uh, but the style just kind of chugs along. It doesn't distract. It makes for good background music, as Jason mentioned. Mm. Uh, but then they catch you with an uh, interesting part in every song to kind of snap you out of it and get your attention back before you kind of just zone out again. It was an enjoyable listen, but it was pretty forgettable once it was over, and the vocal style doesn't quite do it for me. I wonder what they would sound like with someone else on vocal. Never know. Uh, still, you can't deny uh, their ability, and it's a very solid album. I give them a four out of six. Yeah, all right. Fucking A. Now, again... Uh I say it's a bummer that Dez is no longer with the band. Uh, Cody Willis is the guy. He's from Big Business and Melvin's. Like I said, uh, it's uh, to be determined whether if they kick out an album this year. Uh, I also said that the band has an inconsistent catalog. Like I said, the album before this, Luminiferous, fucking sucks. It's the worst one. Uh, this one does have some skippers on it. It's not their normal sound. But for the most part, it's a pretty badass fucking album. Got some really cool songs. And a respectable tribute to a fucking legend. So, uh, yeah, check out High on Fire's Electric Messiah. It's a solid five upside down pentagrams for me. So that's what we got out of 2018. Tell us uh, what you were doing back then and uh, what you were rocking out to in the comments. And at the very fucking least, be cool, be metal. All right, everyone. That is our episode for this week. Hopefully you enjoyed our conversation about 2018. Let mm -hmm. us know what mm -hmm. some of your favorite albums were from 2018 in the comments section. There was a few other ones. A couple. And let us know if you liked our picks or if you thought they sucked. Please let me know if you think my picks suck. I would fucking love to hear it. I would also love to hear you tell Bobby his picks suck. Mm. <laughs> so that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Until next time, keep it metal and rage with respect. <laughs> <laughs>